I believe that uh, third verse that we sang in the hymn just now really summarizes that video well. In his earthly life, our Savior knew the care of faithful friends. May our deeds of dedication offer love that never ends. So, dear friends of Christ, what kind of utensil are you? You know, while setting the table for dinner one evening, there was a little girl who was uh, bringing her utensils to life. Uh, she was entertaining herself, and her mother saw and listened as uh, knives and forks and spoons carried on conversation and wrestled their way to the table. Suddenly, the girl looked at her mother and declared, Well, if I had to choose, I'd be a spoon. A spoon, her mother replied, intrigued. You know, why would you want to be a spoon? What's wrong with being a fork or a knife? Well, the girl explained, forks are too grabby. They're always stabbing stuff and taking it like it's theirs. Like in school, I hate it when someone will take a piece of my dessert with a fork and then eat it. Okay, her mother agreed. But what about a knife? No, knives are scary. Like, they cut things, and you really can't eat them. They just slice stuff up. But the little girl continued holding a shiny spoon in front of her face. Spoons can scoop up lots of stuff and even pass it around. They're just nice and round and smooth and friendly, her mother interjected. And her daughter's eyes lit up. Right, I'd rather be a spoon. Well, it's not just a silly childhood fantasy. You know, it's a great image of really a Christian lifestyle, of life in motion of ministry in motion. And that little girl's analysis of silverware is really exactly what we need to hear today. But it's also a revealing insight into the various types of people that we encounter in this world. Have you ever considered being a fork? Well, we've all known plenty of forks. These are gimme people. Those who never seem to have enough on their own plates to satisfy themselves. So they're constantly on the lookout for something more, something better, something different. And the infamous corporate raiders of the Gimme More 1980s years, they were classic forks. Now you're probably wondering, what's a corporate raider? Well, according to experts, they make capital markets more efficient by identifying underperforming companies and improving them. And as a result, these corporate raiders are commonly known to as a necessary evil to counterbalance those underperforming companies. People who are forks stab up anything that they can sink their prongs into, whether it suits their tastes or not. In their greed, these give-me-more-fork people, they can't stop to savor the morsels that they're collecting. Instead, the only craving they care to desire is to Stab it if you can consume it type of attitude. Would you want to be a knife? You know, knife people are fixated on what lies before them, but only because they're trying to figure out how they can carve it up into a new shape, especially a new form of which they will wholly determine. Knife people are control freaks. Knives try to reconstruct reality so that they suit their preferences, their own purposes. I believe that the people Paul is referencing in verse 3 of our chapter really fit this category. 
Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And no matter what is placed before knife people, it's never quite right. The sharp blade has to go to work, slicing off anything that it finds offensive, cutting down even any big goals that someone might have into little piecemeal projects. Maybe perhaps even dissecting someone's ideas. They're never leaving anything whole. Or do you see yourself as a spoon like that little girl did? Spoons are distinctively different because instead of taking, spoons are designed to serve. And a spoon will support others. It's not just concerned about scooping up everything in its path for itself. Instead, it's to serve and to save. Those types of people, they're adaptable. They can operate in a variety of venues. You know, spoons themselves, you know, whether it's hot soup or cold ice cream, you can use it for the same purposes. You can scoop it up. Spoon people serve others, but they're also best at stirring things up as well in a good way. And because their shape is less specialized, spoons are more adaptable. For example, you can try doing it. You can eat meatloaf, spaghetti, or even soup if you have a spoon. And if necessary, a spoon can even do some hard cutting. How many times have you perhaps had a harder type of melon or cantaloupe, and you end up using a spoon to cut it? Paul, who was known as Saul before his Damascus Damascus experience with the Lord. You know, he was a knife person. As a zealous Pharisee, you know, we heard about him in the Philippians 3 there. You know, he tried really to surgically cut off Christianity. He deemed that an offensive growth on the people of Judaism. And his strict loyalty to that law, it had already sliced his views of what is right and wrong clean and unclean, chosen and cursed. And he had cut those into some neat, predetermined types of pieces. But after Paul had relinquished his confidence in the flesh that he talks about, you, know, you see his commitment to Christ. And Paul found that those honed edges he had as a type of a knife, well, it was beaten flat and smooth. And as well... His narrowness that he had, views, it was really pulled out and formed into like a bowl. His rigid behavior bent into a gentle curve. In other words, Paul was transformed from a knife into a spoon person. In that new form, he became committed to serving Christ by serving others. And the sharp pointed attacks of Saul the knife at that time before, it now became the nurturing, nurturing scoops of service and salvation that were dished up by Paul the spoon. And as a spoon, Paul demonstrated that he could dish it out too. But we know that he said he could also take it. In all of his correspondence, it's obvious that Paul had received support from his fellow Christians of those churches that he had established. And Paul could take the abuse and the threats, the insults, the imprisonments, and the cruelties that he was now experiencing as a servant of Christ. 
In fact, he welcomed those experiences, viewing them that you know, he rejoices in participating in the sufferings of Christ. Not even the prospect of death really fazed Paul. He was fully convinced from the eyes of faith that the gift of righteousness he had received, that would bring him into full participation, not just of the sufferings and death of Christ, but also of Christ's resurrection. What kind of changes would you have to make to stop all the frantic, perhaps, fork-stabbing or nasty knife-slicing that cuts into your life? What would it take to replace those actions with a scoop-up, spoon-like type of service? Well, it could be to be in service to others, to brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of being in competition with strangers and others. Or maybe it's to give up the have-it-all type of attitude and instead share it all. Maybe it's to stop carving up those who are different from you and instead adapting your attitudes to meet their needs. How about stop worrying about what's on your own plate and instead start paying attention to the nutritional needs, the spiritual needs, especially of others who are around you. You know, it's not easy being a spoon. There was a woman who accompanied her husband to the doctor's office, and after his checkup, the doctor called the wife into his office alone. And he said to her, your husband is suffering from a very severe disease, combined with some horrible stress. If you don't do the following, your husband will surely die. Each morning, he says, you should fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant and Make sure that he's in a good mood. For lunch, make him a nutritious meal. And for dinner, prepare an especially nice meal for him. Don't burden him with chores as he's probably had a hard day. Don't discuss your problems with him. It'll only make his stress worse. And most importantly, satisfy his every whim. And if you do this for the next 10 months to a year... I think your husband will regain his health completely. On the way home, the husband asked his wife, so what did the doctor say, dear? She replied, you're going to die. (laughs) She didn't want to be a spoon. (laughs) Well, we know that being a spoon, being in Christian service to others, doesn't mean you have to be a slave to any and all demands that are thrown your way. You know, Paul says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And as a faithful witness to Christ's love, Paul is here, he knows that there were times when the dish that he was called to serve was hard for his audiences to swallow, as far as these other groups. There were the various Corinthian groups even fighting for theological prestige and spiritual superiority. They didn't want to hear that the greatest gift, the greatest spiritual gift was love. The proud Athenians, with their sophisticated pagan ways, they didn't want to have their patron goddess be known just as another ordinary, lifeless silver statue. And the proud, law-touting Judaizers who were in Philippi, 
They didn't want to hear that all that they had gained was a loss, as Paul had explained of himself. And yet Paul recognized that this spoon spirituality is an essential ingredient for effective ministry. And that's why he goes on to say that whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish in some versions, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you want to be a spoon? Do you want to dish up another, a one another helping you know, so that you can keep it on someone else's plates? Well, throughout the scriptures, especially with Paul and John, you know, they, they say love one another is a key. Outdo one another. Live in harmony, welcome, instruct, greet one another. Paul goes on to say, agree, become slaves, wait for one another, have the same care, encourage, and be peace with one another. Seek the advantage of one another, of the other, excuse me. Bear one another's burdens, be kind, teach and admonish, bear with one another in love. Don't become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Be subject to one another. Be hospitable. Don't pass judgment on one another. And even the Apostle James, he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. There's a lot of one another types of verses in the Bible because we, as I said some time ago, you know, about living in community with Christ, we are concerned about one another. If you're in the small groups and you're, you're, you're studying uh, the Philippians, um, very likely you're going to get a sheet of all those references, so don't try to copy them down. There will also be all the Bible passages that connect with each of those passages. When Christians spoon up these one another's, you know, there's no need for knives or forks. You'll know that the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself, you know, he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And all he wants us to do is to follow that servant example and to live our lives for him and to his glory alone. So be those spoons out there as you reach out with word and actions so that others too may know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of them, even as he is of you and me. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.